the church on a rock? Amen. My name is Rashad. I am, as Jason admitted, the cool pastor here at Church on the Rock. Um, <laughs> where's he at? I can't even see him. Oh, he went outside. Okay. Um, we're so grateful for all the beautiful faces. Uh, I do see some guests here, so um, this is a safe place for you. Um, we, we teach deeply. We teach hard. Uh, but it's all because we love. We, we want to love you the way we've been loved. We want you to grow the way that we've grown. And so uh, please don't think anybody's here passing judgment or anything. If we're looking at you weird, it's because we're weird. So don't worry about it, all right? <laughs> all right. So we do the Good Morning Church on the Rock because we want to know that you're up, that you're available for God's word to actually meet you where you're at this morning. So I scream, Good Morning Church on the Rock. You scream, Good Morning Rashad. It lets me know you're ready to hear from God and not myself. Amen? Amen. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Yeah, y'all ready? Y'all ready? So we are doing a series called The Grace Card. The Grace Card. We started it last week. So if you're, gonna, if you're a little confused on some of the terminology I use, just go back and listen to the sermon from last week. But what we found last week is that the word grace is used as um, a divine excuse. We go around, we wake up in the morning, and we're like, this is how I'm going to sin today. I'm going to go smoke this weed. I'm going to go get drunk like never before. I'm going to go cheat on my wife. I'm going to have sex outside. Of, I'm going to go do something and use grace as my divine excuse of how I can be a Christian and still be disobedient. I'll just use my grace card, right? But we found out last week that 36% of the time that the word grace is used it is used in the form of divine enablement, meaning to use your grace card correctly, it would be, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm not going to cuss people out on 465. I'm not going to insert whatever sin that you planned on doing. Why? Because I have been divinely enabled by the grace of God to not have to sin. See the difference? So we found out that grace has many meanings, many meanings, but only one meaning in its context each specific time it's used. And we're in Romans 1.5. So I'm going to start in Romans 1 just to bring you up to speed, and then we'll get to Romans 1.5 and see what grace is in that context, and we'll start the sermon. So Romans 1.1. Paul, the writer of this, is a bondservant or slave of Christ Jesus called as an apostle or a sent one set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, and who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. He goes on and says, it's through Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. So we're just going to break down Romans 1.5 today. That's it. And talk about how this can apply to us. First, we want to look at the context, see what Paul meant when he wrote this, and then see how we can take principles out. So when Paul uses the word we, uh, some people would say that means all Christians. 
Yes, you can get principles from this. All Christians can. Some people think he's talking about all apostles. Uh, not specifically because he didn't introduce anybody else in the beginning. He just said Paul, like just me. So this is what we call an editorial plural, meaning the we is really I. Don't ask me to explain that. Big stuff over my head. We'll get to that some other time, right? This one right here. So he's basically saying I have received grace and apostleship through, uh, through Christ Jesus. So what that means here, some people think it means I've received divine enablement and the gift of apostleship because we see the end there. But in the Greek, it would be more correct to uh, uh, interpret this as the grace of apostleship. So in other words, grace being what he's received, what type of grace? Apostleship. I'm a preacher and a pastor. I've received the grace of knowledge, the grace of wisdom, the grace of teaching. These are my spiritual gifts. Every believer in this room, whether you start believing last week or last decade, is gifted or graced with a gift, okay? So everybody in here who says, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I mean that and all that, you have the grace of something. It may not be apostleship. It may not be preaching. It may not be prophecy. It may not be teaching. But you have the grace of something. And you may not know what that something is. And I'm going to tell you, that's what we're here for, to help you work that out, to help you find your gift. But that doesn't mean this doesn't apply to you because you don't know your gift. Everybody, take a deep breath. Exhale. Take another deep breath. Exhale. What is that called? Okay, breath, breathing, whatever. Breathing, all right? It's called breathing. You, who, who woke up this morning? All right, everybody? Everybody woke up this morning? Okay, did you wake yourself up? Who woke you up? <laughs> You're just going to be difficult today, huh? <laughs> so look at this, look at this. Look at this. If you're breathing, if you woke up this morning, you've been divinely enabled by God to do that, okay? God is the author of life and death. You don't breathe if he doesn't work. You don't breathe if he doesn't move. If he doesn't divinely keep that heart beating, if he doesn't breathe breath into your life, you have no life. That's grace. That's divine enablement. So you may not know your gift, Christian, and try to take yourself out of this, but you have received grace just because you're here this morning. You didn't wake yourself up. You didn't, you didn't get yourself here safely. One, one person texting at the wrong time and swerved the wrong way, and you're gone. You see that? Somebody is watching. Oh, somebody is in control. Somebody's the reason that we have gravity on this earth, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Somebody's the reason that the planet is not closer to the sun where we all burn up, and it's not a little bit further away where we all freeze to death. Somebody has to keep the solar system in balance, right? Who? Who? God. So all of that is grace. All of that is grace. You've been divinely enabled to wake up this morning, to breathe right now. You have received grace. So this is where we're going to start. You acknowledging that you have received grace. You, Christian, have been graced by God, divinely enabled by God. And now we want to talk about what you're supposed to do with that. What do you do with that grace? So as believers, we have, through Christ, received divine enablement, and it's manifested in many gifts. 
whether it's teaching, preaching, singing, some people think is a gift, or uh, I would say exhortation is the gift, encouragement is the gift. Um, you have giving as a gift. You have faith as a gift where you believe like crazy. It's not just your basic faith. I mean, you go above and beyond in your belief. All these things are different gifts, and you're supposed to use them to do things. So just like Paul, go to my next slide there. Like Paul, we are to use this grace first and foremost to build. To build. See, a lot of us, we, we have gifts, we have grace, we've been saved, and all we want to do is sit. That's all we want to do. We want to come to church and sit on the sidelines week after week after week after week. That's all we want to do. I'm saved. I'm getting in. I'm good. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I'm good. Could you imagine that? Like, how would you feel, all right? I've been given the grace of pastoral leadership Grace of preaching, grace of teaching. These are gifts that God gave me. I know it's got to be God. I was saved in 2011. I started pastoring this church in 2016. Who pastors a church after being saved for five years? That, that don't make no sense. That makes no sense whatsoever, right? It must be the grace of God. Who teaches on every Sunday deeply, exegetically, knowing the Greek and the Hebrew? How can I boast about that? I barely made it out of high school. I barely know English, let alone Greek. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so how can I, it can't be me. There's no way what I'm doing up here can be me. Now, what if I took all of this and I stayed at home preaching to my dog, the walls, the lights, and my wife and daughter who don't like to listen to me anyway? Hmm? How, how would that look if I just sat at home preaching to the crickets? There goes the cricket again. Just preaching to myself every single day and never came and shared. Wouldn't you be like, that's selfish, Shad? Like, you, he gave you this gift, and you're just going to sit at home? Or what if I came in, and you guys were aware of God's grace inside of me, but I was like, no, man, I, I can't do it, can't even do it, can't even do it. And you're like, bro, he's gifted you. Like, every time you come to the small group, you got such a, you should get up and preach and share that with everybody. Nope, don't even feel like it, can't even do it, can't even do it. You see how, you see how that don't even work out? But yet, every time I'm up here and I look at you and say, we need you to help, we need you to serve, we need you to give. We need you to get in the community. Every time, I, every time I look at you, it's like, nope, can't even do it, can't even do it. But let me say that. And it's like, oh, what kind of pastor? Okay, well, what kind of Christian? Right? Y'all trying to hold me to a higher standard when it comes to serving? But anything else, oh, pastor ain't no better than me here. Human too. Yep. So I'm pushing this back on you. Where are you at? Christians to help build his body. The next part of uh, Romans 1.5 says this. It says, to bring about, so Paul says, I've been graced with the gift of apostleship to do what? To bring about the obedience of faith. Now, this word obedience, I don't know why, but it's like one that's not in the Christian vocabulary. Like, you look at all the words that are like Christian words, and you get the obedience, and they're like, skip that one, right? <laughs> like, so we're going to talk about that for a little bit, okay? In the Greek, in the Greek, obedience is a compound word. The first word means under, like to bring yourself or place yourself under. The second part of the word is acoustic, is where we get the word acoustic from, like, you know, acoustic guitar or whatever. But, but it means listen or hear. So the word, the compound word put together means to bring yourself under what you heard. Anybody in the military? Anybody been in the military? Anybody military people? All right, all right. If, if, if you were in boot camp and the drill sergeant or petty officer, in my case in the Navy, told you to do something, right? 
and he said it verbally. The way you displayed obedience was bringing yourself under what you heard, right? That's what obedience is. So look at this. He's saying, I've been graced with this to bring about the obedience or bringing yourself under what you hear. Every, every Sunday after church, the kids get up and they come running on the stage. You're like, stop running on the stage. They're like, okay. Right? Like right after you said, you be like, hey, stop beating on the cajon. Okay. Like, that's, like right after you say it, they hit the cajon, right? They're like, how much can I get away with? Can I do it again? I heard you, but I'm not going to submit myself underneath what you said. And we call it what? That's a disobedient child, right? That's a baby kid, right? <laughs> like, 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 no, I, I said stop, and they're still doing it. So they're disobeying because they heard what I, they even acknowledged it, okay, and went ahead and did it anyway, right? Look at Christians. Every Sunday, we open God's word. And the word of God, God himself, through his word, through his messenger, says, do this, don't do this. And you know what you say? Okay. You'll be like, amen, right? Because amen, remember, amen means yes. Amen means I agree. Amen means let it be. That's what amen means. So you'll be like, amen, and then your life says, nah, man. <laughs> Every, every, we open up the Bible. We don't, it's not Rashad's rules, okay? It's not, I'm never like, hey, Simon says or Rashad says serve, right? No, I'm like, hey, according to God's word, if you belong to a church, you're supposed to function in that church. Everybody's like, amen. Then I'm like, so what ministry you sign up for? No, man. <laughs> you see how that works? Hey, accord, not Rashad, not church on the rock. The Bible says give. The Bible says give. Amen. Okay, so are you tithing? No, man. You see how this works? Hey, hey, the Bible says stick it out in your marriage, even when it hurts. Amen. No, man. You see how this goes over in every single area of our lives? We say the amen on Sunday. We say the no, man, for the rest of our lives. We call ourselves Christians. But here's the thing. Salvation is not faith and obedience. See, that's a working salvation. I must believe and then I have to do a whole lot of stuff to get saved. No, no, no. We don't preach that here. You do not earn your salvation. I will never, ever say that. But faith is obedience. We say belief births behavior, right? If you believe in something, then it it behaves in a certain way. Faith is obedience. You bring yourself up under what you've heard because you believe that the word of God is what's best for you. It's either a yes or a no. This right here, this obedience is your yes, is your physical manifestation. You're living out yes to everything God says. Hey, no sex before marriage. Yes. You don't question it. You don't say why not. You, you, you just stop. You just say, you know what? The Lord is my the, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, that's good. But Jesus is my Lord and Savior, so yes. Because the word Lord is, is, is like he's over me. He's master. He's in control. So he says no sex before marriage. Oh, it's a big desire of mine, but I'm not doing it no more. Hey, don't break the laws of the land. In Indiana, you can't smoke weed. Stop smoking weed. I don't care where else it's legal. It ain't legal here. Why? 
Well, it's the law of the land. Well, what that got to do with me as a Christian? The Bible says obey the laws of the land. So just say yes. You see how this works? You see how this works? Uh, um, pastor, my husband or pastor, my wife is blah, 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 blah. Insert whatever you want to in there. I think I'm ready to get a divorce. The Bible says no. The Bible says you stick that out in your marriage. You say yes, Christian. That's it. That's it. This is, this is what obedience is. You got children. What, what do you, how you feel when they question you? Hey, did I tell you to be home by 11? Well, I was thinking. <laughs> no, you, you don't think. You be home by 11, right? Yeah, I was thinking. You're thinking what? There's, there's nothing to think. Why is it when it's us, it makes all the sense in the world? Look at your relationships, right? If my wife says, Rashad, if you love me, if you love me, you will not sleep with another woman. If you love me, you will show me you love me by not sleeping with another woman. If I say yes, and then I love you and go sleep with another woman, am I showing that I love her? No. So why is it in our Christian relationship as the bride of Christ, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and all you do is go and sleep with all kinds of people in the world. Huh? It, it doesn't make sense when it's you and your relationship and it impacts you. But when it's Jesus, grace card, try that with your wife. Try that with your husband. Try that with your boss. Try, you, you see what I'm saying? And, and here's the thing. You won't try it in all these other places, but you come into church and you just keep pulling it out. I ain't serving. I'm just going to play my grace. He's still working on me. Well, how long he been working on you? When do we see the evidence of the work he's doing? <laughs> this is what we're doing. This is where grace is, is, is being so just trampled and stepped on. So, so, so faith is obedience. Love is obedience. Give me, give me the John. Look, look what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm just going to roll these so you can see that. This is not me talking. This is the Bible, the word of God that you believe, okay? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him and make our abode with him. Keep going. He says, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. It's simple. This is a very easy sermon. You've heard, so place yourself under. What's holding you back? Well, I'll tell you the first thing I was holding you back. He's not your Lord. You said it. You walked down the aisle. You jumped in the water. Hallelujah. And then we told you to do something. He was like, uh-uh. <laughs> well, why not? Because I don't want to stop doing that. Well, he said stop doing that. Uh-uh. Well, then he's not your Lord. You know, like training wheels are off, everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's time to ride the bike. If he's your Lord, we got to hold you accountable to it. Or guess what? We don't love you. And if we don't hold you accountable to it, we don't love him. You see how I can go to heaven and stand before God and get in trouble because I was so worried about how you felt or you not coming back next Sunday because of a hard scripture that I didn't preach it or I didn't say it. And now God like, well, I guess you don't love me because I told you to say that. I told you to obey. So I'm not about to not obey because y'all not obeying. <laughs> you see that? That don't even make sense. So look at this. Keep going. Give me my next verse. 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we've come to know him. How? If we keep his commandments. A whole lot of people say they know Jesus but won't follow nothing Jesus says. 
Well, Jesus says, if that's the case, then you don't know me. That's not me. I'm not the tough, hard preacher that's trying to bump, thump you over the head, Mr. Holier Than Thou. I'm just reading basic scripture. That's it. And I don't care which translation you read. It says the same thing. You see that? Keep going. He says, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. You know how they say, liar, liar, pants on fire? Right? I believe it now because of this. Like, hey, Jesus is Lord. I believe in Jesus. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes. But I'm not going to do anything he ever tells me to do. Okay, liar. Your pants are going to be on fire. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> like, for real, for real. Like, forever. Right? Why? Because you've been, you, this is what y'all do. We, okay, we. I want to make sure I'm not picking on nobody, okay? We walk into the church and we sing trust and obey, Ty, right? Trust and obey, trust and obey. And the first time another Christian in the church family tells you to trust and obey, you're like, nope. But you're a Christian because you show up every Sunday. You're a Christian because your Facebook posts look real good. Mm-hmm. But you don't live out none of that stuff. Man, how would I look, and I'm doing better now, but how would I look getting on uh, Facebook giving a whole bunch of uh, nutritional advice? I'm doing better. I lost 20 pounds in two weeks. Amen. I'm, watch. Come Christmas, y'all going to be like, where'd he go? All right. But Darius, how would I look? Ray, how would I look on Facebook like, yeah, this is how y'all need to eat, right? And posting all this healthy stuff and then coming in here with the, with the cotton candy grapes and the Popeye's chicken, right? Throwing out chicken. It's like, bro, you, how you preaching on nutrition, and you up here obese. You'd be like, that, that don't even add up, right? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Well, you're doing the same thing. You Christ this, Christ that, Jesus, 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 and the first time we tell you to stand on him, you won't do it. The first time something wiggles or shakes you a little bit, you're done. And what, what we're finding is you have no obedience. You've heard enough, Christian, if you've been in here for the last month, you've heard enough to make transformation in your life. Your life could be, your marriage could be transformed. Your parenting can be transformed. Your workplaces and the way you are at work should be transformed. Your involvement in the community and the church you're a part of, all of it should be transformed just off the last month. And you say, amen, amen. But when do we see the amen in your life? Let me guess, grace card. It don't work that way. That's not how it works. You're trampling grace. You're tra he, he has divinely enabled you because he knows you can't do it. So when I say amen, I'm saying amen because of what I know he will do. If he told me to love my enemy, amen. How are you going to love your enemy shot after what he did to you? He's going to have to do it. <laughs> I can't do it. My flesh, my feelings, my pride, my ego, I can't love my enemy. He betrayed me. But God said he's going to give me everything I need to do it. So amen. You see how that works? So, so 
there's, there's two ways that you could look at this. The obedience of faith first is the yes and the amen to us saying that you are a sinner. Yes, amen. In need of a savior. Yes, amen. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you call on the name of Jesus, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Yes and amen. Obedience to the faith starts there. You see the gospel right there? You cannot save yourself. If you call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you confess him as Lord and believe he was raised, then you will be saved. Not maybe saved, you will be saved. Yes and amen. And when you respond to that, you have shown obedience to the faith. But then there's the part after salvation. Too many churches are just happy about salvation. How many times can we tell everybody this many people were saved and we had this many baptisms and then just let them figure it out on their own? That's what the church does. And that leads to so much hurt because people like, I was trying, but nobody took the time to pour into me. I was trying to change. I was trying to transform. But after I got in the water, it was just a whole bunch of hand claps. Somebody took me to lunch and ain't nobody said nothing to me since. Ain't nobody checked in on me since, and so there's no accountability. I'm still falling victim to these sins, these demons, these addictions. I still don't know how to do right. I need somebody to teach me how to observe all that Christ commanded. Great commission, right? So the other obedience to faith is after the salvation. It's the sanctification. It's coming alongside you and saying, hey, it's more than just the justified part. It's the sanctified part as well, where you're being set apart. Why? Because you're obeying all that he commands. It sets you apart. When you believe Jesus and his word and just do what it says, you look different than the world because it's opposite of the world. The world says, try it before you buy it. Don't get married until you know whether or not you guys are sexually in chemistry, right? The Bible says no sex before marriage. Trust me and obey. The world says, hey, your husband did what? He, he did what? Oh, leave him. Your wife did who? Oh, man, forget her. The Bible says no, 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 stick it out no matter what. Trust and obey. And on and on and on and on. Obedience. Take what you've heard and place yourself under it. How many of you in here right now can say that you were faithfully obedient to the faith? Hey, hey, amen. High five, high five. <laughs> okay, now, can you identify the reason you're not? What's the reason you're not? For those of you who are not, why? What, what's holding you back? What, what, what is so important or what do you love so much more than your Lord and Savior? Huh? That, that, that bank account didn't die for you. That car, that house didn't die for you. That child didn't die for you. That spouse didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. How are you responding to that? Obedience or this flaky Christianity? So this is what happens. A lot of us are defeated because we're spiritually deaf. A lot of us are hurt because we're spiritually hard-headed. You, you know, you tell them kids, stop running, stop running, stop running. They keep running, then they trip, and now they're hurt, and you're like, it's your fault. <laughs> I told you, stop. You heard me. You said, okay. You kept doing it, then you tripped, and you fell, and now look. And so every, every, every week, I'm telling you from God's word, stop this, start this, stop this, start this. And then you come to me every week. Somebody comes to me, and it's something that they simply just didn't obey. 
I'm hurt in this area of my life because I didn't obey. And why are you hurt? It's not God's fault. It's self-inflicted. And nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. Why do my ankles hurt? Why do my knees hurt? Because God said don't be a glutton, and I kept eating anyway. So now the weight on my body hurts when I play basketball, hurts when I go running, all this stuff, because of my disobedience to his word. Okay, that's me putting myself out there. How about you put yourself out there? What kind of pain are you experiencing right now because of your neglect and disobedience to God's word? So the grace I've been given, you've been given, and everybody who's a believer has been given is to do what? To bring about that obedience. You know what that causes? Accountability. You know what that means? You're not going to like some people. Why? Because they love you. Ain't that a shame? You're not going to like me because I love you. You're not going to like me because I'm going to call you and say, bro, I ain't, sis, bro, I ain't seen you in three months. Why? Or, sis, bro, you've been going here for three months. You joined in everything. We told you at the membership class, if you're a member, you serve, and you're not serving. Why not? And now you're mad at me. What kind of church calls and checks up? A church that loves you? A church that loves you. But we told you, if you're not serving, you're not a member. We gave everybody the excuse grace. Now we're doing the enablement grace. Either you serve or you're, you're not a member. If you're, if you're not serving, you're not a member. That, that's the Bible. That's the Bible. That's not church on the rock. That's the Bible. So now when I say that and hold you accountable to what you signed, when you signed the membership form, or when you said, Lord, that's the signature too? then I'm the bad guy. Well, I'm just going to, have to be that. I'm just going to, have to be that because I love you too much to let you just sit here and not do nothing and ignore the obedience of faith. My responsibility is to raise you to maturity, to stay on you. What kind of personal trainer will come alongside me and say, man, eat all the Popeye's chicken you want. You're going to be all right. Right? What kind of, what kind of personal trainer is that? You'd be like, that's a whore, right, Larry? You'd be like, what kind of personal trainer? Eat all the Popeye's chicken you want? That ain't healthy. Okay, so if I just told you, hey, y'all just keep coming, making it look good. Man, when I invite people, I'm inviting the second service because it look good in here. But how many of y'all are really saved in the second service when the numbers are so many? And how many of those who are saved are in here not serving in the second service? When there's so many. It's a facade, man. It's a, it's a facade. And why is that? Because obedience. We lack it. Placing yourself under what you've heard. Every single week. So the first thing we're supposed to do with the grace is simply build the church. How do we build it? By obeying. By first we obey and then we teach others how to obey. That's discipleship. Follow me, then show others how to follow me. Obey me, then show others how to obey me. That's all it is. Everything we do here is to show you how to do it. Our five nine families are strictly to show you how to gather outside of, outside of Sunday morning. We don't need to call them nothing. We only do it so that you know how to gather. Do, do you know the joy I get when somebody comes and tells me that they've just started meeting every single week because they felt like it? And it's not called Church on the Rock anything. They're just doing it because they saw other people doing it. That, that's what obedience looks like. When people start preaching at Church on the Rock, and they're like, man, I was watching you, and we start, I start showing him how to break down the word. He's just obeying what he's learning. And on and on and on and on and on. It's discipleship. And if you do this, then can't nobody look down on nobody because everybody had to start with somebody, right? 
So we build first, and then second, we break. So, so we use the grace to build, and then we use the grace to break. This is the part where it says, among all the Gentiles. So Romans 1.5 again, he says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to what? To build by bringing, about, by bringing about the obedience of faith, but also to break among all the Gentiles. So in other words, anybody God has put in your vicinity, I don't care if they agree with your politics. I don't care if they agree with your faith. I don't care about your skin color. You're supposed to be breaking barriers with the grace given to you. I talked about... Um, the camera ride we had yesterday, and, and all the bikers, right? And, and, and if you knew me that eight years ago before salvation, I ain't hanging out with no bikers, right, Mel? Like, me and them bikers don't mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, I start seeing patches. I start seeing stuff. I'm like, whoa, that, that, I don't know about that. I even said, um, what's, the one, what's the one with the long chin hair and the Confederate flag one? What's it? Honky. 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 <laughs> All right, that's his name. That's his name, right? I'm not, this is his name. Now look at this, now look at this. Confederate flag, long chin hair. His name is Honky. All right? But, but watch this, watch this, watch this. When they got back from the ride, and Dave, you told me to get up and take a picture, and I'm taking a picture of all of them getting back. Honky gets off his bike. He looks and he goes, Pasta, what you bleep bleep doing here? <laughs> And ran up to me and gave me the biggest embrace. I mean, he hugged me like he had missed me. And this is a man I would have never even, like, known eight years ago. But the grace God has given me has forced me to break barriers and be inside the bar with the bikers. Most of y'all won't even talk to each other. How'd you do that, Grace? I wasn't comfortable at first, but once I just trusted and obeyed, I started being around them, started loving them, started ignoring what the patches said, and just loved them for who they are. Now they love me back, and they're seeing God every time they see me. This is what it looks like. This is the, the Matthew 28. Give me the Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, you see, go therefore, make disciples of what? All the nations. Now watch how much, how much Greek Tyler has learned. What does all mean, Ty? All. You see that? You see that? She's, she's a Greek scholar now. In the Greek, all means all. It don't mean just the Republicans, just the Democrats, just the Kaepernick supporters, just the Trump supporters, just the military, just the flag supporters, just the kneelers, just the hairstylists. By the way, that's what was going on underneath the, uh-huh, you asked, all right? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> It, 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 there's no barriers. All means all. You've been graced, given divine enablement to go make disciples of who? Everybody. Whoever God places in your path. That, that's what this means. So Paul says, I've been given the grace to bring about obedience of faith, build the body, and to break barriers. All the Gentiles, all the nations, right? And then finally, it's not just to build it's not just to break, but it's to boast. It's to boast. This is the final part of Romans 1.5. So he goes on in Romans 1.5 and he says this. It's through Jesus Christ I have received grace and apostleship, gifting, enablement, to build the body, bring about the obedience of faith, break the barriers among all the Gentiles, to boast for his namesake. This is why a lot of people don't want to lead or serve. 
All right, I'm going to tell you why. Here's the secret. I'm going to tell you why people don't want to lead, why people don't want to serve. Because if I preach a good sermon this morning and the, and the message is moving and everybody's hit, God gets all the glory. All the boasting goes to the Lord. But if I miss today, if I'm off, I get all the blame. People are so concerned with their blame that they won't serve for his boast. I was talking to Ty and Jason earlier, like with Jason's case. Jason's our, our youth our community pastor. But when Jason's in the back and, and kids come out here and they're like, I believe in Jesus. I want to get baptized. And we have kid after kid after kid after kid with, with a genuine faith in the Lord. Everybody goes, God is so good. Look at God working. God is in this house. Look at God at work. And the first time a kid gets in the car and says, I, don't say, say, uh, I didn't learn nothing, the parent goes, we, we need to remove Jason. That's why I don't know why want to serve. They're so worried about that blame that they don't want to do nothing for his boast. Same thing with Todd. We, we come out here and we sing, and, and every song she chose is a song. Oh, that's my jam. That's my jam. Ooh, the spirit was here today, preference. Anyway, the spirit was here today, right? Amen, hallelujah. But the first time the song didn't hit you where you got your little feelings, she needs to switch it up sometimes. So when everything's right, it's the spirit, it's God, he gets all the boast, but when everything's wrong, she gets all the blame. And so people don't want to do anything for him because they're scared of the blame instead of being so happy and privileged to be a part of the boast. That's what it is. Why aren't you serving? You're probably scared. You're scared that somebody's going to blame you for doing something wrong. Why aren't you sharing the gospel? What is, what, what's most people say? Because I, I think I'm going to do it wrong. You just you're worried about the blame, but you ain't strong enough to mess up to mess up what God can do with you. You look, I don't know. So we've grown quite a bit, so some of you don't know me intimately. I ain't nothing to brag about at all, at all. Somebody will tell me after service, uh, Pastor, you said like eleven words wrong. Probably did. Yep, shows you that it must have been God at work. <laughs> Somebody, some, you know, like, this, this is what they do. They, I get critiqued for every word, phrase, analogy. You know, I get critiqued for everything. And you're like, that's cool, because that means if anything's happening, then it has to be God. People talk about this church bad. They're like, you know, the church is cool, but there are walls. It's a garage, the crickets. You know, <laughs> like, they, they talk bad about the church. They do. They look around, they're like, the people. No, I'm just, they don't say the people. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm kind of. I'm teasing. All right. But, like, they come in. They don't dress up. The pastor's wearing shorts or Jordans or whatever. Blah, 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 right? And I'm like, well, the doors keep opening somehow. Must be God. You see that? So, so stop being worried about what other people think about you. Like, it actually, that's what keeps people out of the church. They walk in, they're like, I'm worried about what everybody's going to say about me. For what? If, if they judging you, they just showing you that they broken. I'm judging you because I'm broken. Because that's the area I struggle in. I'm broken. That's why I'm passing judgment. I ain't supposed to be passing judgment. Don't let, mm, right? Like, it's, it's frustrating. So, so like, we're, we're to boast. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Look what this says. Look at this. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Anything you do is to bring him glory. When do you start living that way? When do you start living in a way where his grace is for his glory, not yours? Huh? That's the problem. You all want to pat on the back for something. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody wants the acknowledgement and the glory for his grace. You, remember, let me, let me remind you, okay? You wouldn't be breathing right now if it was not for God. So what do you deserve a pat on the back for, huh? You didn't wake yourself up. I, I, I'm not even patting you on the back for being on time. Because you wouldn't have woke up to begin with if it wasn't for God. So what happens is when you walk through those doors on time, off time, whatever, colder time, <laughs> I give God the glory. Every time I see all these people, don't know about Tyler's singing doesn't get the glory. Clinton's playing and David's singing and Elizabeth. No, nobody gets the glory. And Lucy's playing. They don't get the glory in that. My preacher, I don't get the glory in that. I don't care how many times you hear over and over, Rashad, you're da-da-da. Nope, because I wouldn't even be able to breathe to preach if it wasn't for God, let alone the gift that he gave me. So he gets all the glory. So this is, what, this is, this is, what, this is the summary here. Like, we're going to call the worship team up. We're about to sing the, the song Oceans. Very familiar, very popular song, but I want you to hear it in a different way, all right? There's a part in the, in the song where it says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. See, too many of you have trusted God with a border. I trust him just enough to this point. But what happens when you trust him without borders, where he says go, you say yes. He says stay, you say yes. He says serve, you say yes. There's no borders to how you trust him. It don't look right. When we first moved over here with 55 people, we were like, I don't know why we're doing this, but we feel like God wants us to be here. And now we see why. We just trusted him. We didn't do nothing. We just trusted him. What happens when you trust him like that in your marriage? When you trust him like that in your workplace, in your parenting, in your community, with your health, with, with every area of your life? What happens when you trust God without borders? Then you're walking in the deep end of the ocean. You see that? You can't get out there without placing full trust and full obedience in him. You will not get out to where you're singing about without that, tr that trust and obedience. So this is what I'm asking you to do. There's some of you in here right now who are not believers. The first obedience of faith for you, you have heard the gospel message that everybody in this room at one point was born, and therefore everybody is a sinner. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody deserves to be in his presence. Nobody deserves to go to heaven. Nobody in here. So don't let, don't let any of these holy rollies in here look at you any type of way, okay? You, you are not less than anybody who's been here their entire life. You're not less. Why? Because they got the same problem you do. They're sinners in need of a Savior, one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He says, he doesn't ask, he tells you to repent and believe. He tells you to call on his name as Lord and believe. He tells you, he doesn't ask, he tells you. So I'm telling you who doesn't believe to repent, change your thinking, and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord. Now that you've heard it, 
submit yourself under it, and that is the obedience of faith. That's the obedience of faith. And those of you who are believers who are sitting here and saying, well, I already know that part. Well, here's the part for you. If you're not serving, if you're not sharing the gospel, if you're not giving into the kingdom, then you're not living out the obedience of faith after salvation. And at some point, if I, if I have to be completely honest with you, you have to question your salvation. Why? Because faith works. Faith obeys. Saving faith obeys. You don't earn your faith. You don't earn your salvation. But if you are saved, natural fruit that comes out of that is obedience. That's the Bible. So we're asking both sides of that spectrum, the non-believers in the room and the believers, to, to tell God to just lead them to a place where their trust is without borders. Like, this is where you come to the altar and you, and you lay it all down. This is where you come and you kneel and we come alongside you and you lay down the areas of your life where you don't trust him. This is where you start removing the borders. This moment right now is when you move those borders out the way and you surrender to what you've heard and say, Father, I'm ready to trust and obey. Please stand up and sing with us. Rise, my 
you to see the rock responses real quick. We actually got them from the kids' ministry. Uh, so this shows you that even, even the, the babies are understanding this. This is off the wall in the kids' ministry. Obedience. Trusting who's in charge by doing what you're asked to do. You see that? This is what the kids are grasping and learning and doing. Next one. Look at this. Rock response number two. The way we, share our the way we show our love is to obey God's commands. He commands you to lead a life of love. That's what you have heard from the beginning. And then finally, you won't be able to see this one as easy, but it basically says, trust and obey even when you think your way is better. You see that? These are the kids. Belief births behavior. Before we leave, um, our, the person that does our, um, our bulletins, she called me last night and said, I made a whole bunch of bulletins. I, I you know, did everything I could to do them, and I forgot that the date is not August 25th. Do we still want to use them? And I said, yeah, because he's still using us, and we ain't nothing but a whole bunch of mistakes, right? Right? And so I said, just trust and obey. Even though there's a mistake on it, he's going to use that to bless somebody in this congregation, and, and, and I've already seen it happen. So that's you. You may feel like you're the mistake. You're the wrong date, wrong time, wrong place, whatever that is, or you made some wrong decisions and all that good stuff. All I'm asking you to do is simply trust that he'll use and redeem whatever mistakes you've already made. That's what this is about. Trust and obey. You've heard a word from God this morning. Identify that thing right now before you leave. Right now, identify that area in your life where you are not being obedient to God. Identify it right now. And don't walk out that door until you've decided that you're going to trust his word and obey. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Father, that has become our 
our north, our, our direction. That we can take all choices, Father, to your word and know that you've given us the, the best direction, Father, the best insight. Father, give us the grace, the enablement, Father, to simply say yes to your word. To simply be a family of living amens who go out and live in a way that changes, first and foremost, their communities. This state, this world, Father. Help us, Father, to, to actually believe what you say. To not find substitutions or to justify or to make it so it fits us, so it's comfortable. But, Father, help us to simply say no matter the consequences, if it's for you, Father, yes. Simple answer, yes. Your son, Jesus Christ, looked at you before he went to the cross and he said, take this cup from me. But, Father, immediately he said, yet not my will, but your will be done. I'm asking that everyone in here, under the sound of my breath, Father, chooses your will to be done in their lives, even when it hurts, even when it looks like we know a better way. Father, may we trust and obey and depend on you and therefore show that we love you and you alone. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love y'all. Let's be obedient. Thank you for taking the time to join us on this podcast from Church on the Rock here in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you would like any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.